Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! The secret of Nim. Hello, welcome to the podcast. This week we have relocated the podcast to the Lee of the Rock, <laughs> so that we're safe from the tractors. Does anyone know what the Lee of the Rock is, guys? Not a clue. No. Actually, yeah, I do, you're right. I, I don't know. That's the that's the real secret from this film. Anyway, hello, I'm Richard. With me to uh, talk about a film is Abby. Wait. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll do. I think. What? What are we waiting oh, for? I thought that. I thought that uh, Lee was a geographical feature because of Lady Lead element oh. or le- le- <laughs> that's not, that's a service station, not a rock, though. I don't understand service stations and why people know the names of them. It's because some of them are really good. Lead element is a good one, isn't it? Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking service station. There's a yeah, but King. some of them have got a Marks and Spencers or an organic food shop or something. <laughs> it means woods clearing or meadow. Woods clearing or meadow. Uh, okay. Thanks. So that's Abby. Also on the podcast is, An- <laughs> is Anthony. Hello. And Jamie. Hello. And this week we're doing The Secret of Nim. What's that secret? It's secretly an acronym for a medical facility. That's the secret of Nim. Spoiled already. But anyway, Anthony, you selected this week's film, so you can elaborate on who done made it. The Secret of Nim, uh, which was released in 1982, is the directorial debut of animator Don Bluth. Rogue Disney, ex-Disney rogue animator, fucking traitor to the animation kingdoms. (laughs) This this was the initial betrayal of of the Disney empire by Don Bluth. He basically burnt Dumbo (laughs) and hung Pinocchio and betrayed (laughs) America. Sorry, sorry, do carry on. Thank you. Uh, Don Bluth, who we've um, uh, touched upon before in the film Rockadoodle, mm. which is one of his later works. Uh, but mm. and he, he, also, he also he also um, was to do with some of the animation on Xanadu, BT dubs. That's right. I totally forgot about that. Good callback. Um, but some of his other kind of animated classics are An American Tale... Land Before Time, uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, which is probably his own little golden age there. Um, The film is a somewhat dark kind of sci-fi fantasy drama uh, about a timid, widowed field mouse (laughs) stumbles upon a race of genetically mutated intelligent rats as she fights to save her sick son. Uh, the, vil- uh, the film also has the voice talents of Elizabeth Hartman, Dom DeLuise, Derek Jacobi, John Carradine, Hermione Badley, and Arthur Mallet. Uh, hold on, it's also the film debut of Will Wheaton. Oh, you're quite right. I did have that hidden somewhere. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> Will Wheaton. I mainly Hopefully. like his work demonstrating board games. That's all I really know him. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Anthony, you obviously 
this is a childhood film for you. I, oh, um, yes. But why Nim? Why did you bring it to us? I don't know. Um, mainly curiosity, because I used to watch this film, like, every day when I was younger. Jesus. Pretty, did you have a very much. bleak upbringing, did you? <laughs> <laughs> um... I used to have it like copy, you know, an old copied off the TV VHS tape. Yeah. Uh, I used to watch it all the time, uh, but like these days, I just I just didn't remember it. It's like some images stuck in my mind and the general premise of it. Same. Um, but yeah, I just remember being so intrigued by it when I was younger, and I always find it cropping up in kind of like nostalgic circles about being a really underrated film. Um, so I thought, you know, I'll, 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 I'll bring it out. You bring it to our plus, nostalgic you know, circle. Plus, I feel like we needed to give Don Bluth a reprise after doing Rockadoodle. Yeah. We could have done Five Will Goes West. That's pretty handy. Like, you know, that would have been all right. This one, not so sure. I don't think he directed that. Oh, bummer. Was well, it good? Oh. Are you sure? But, <laughs> it's probably better than the oh, first yeah, Might one. have. <laughs> ah, don't matter. The point is... Old Donny Donny Bloof Bloofs. He went rogue uh, after doing a bunch of Disney's, and then he made some. His, his, his like he took a few animators with him, and started a company making these other. They're like other Disney's, aren't they? Like broken or different Disney films because they're similar. I mean, it's yeah. They were like. Right. Um, do you remember how like kind of like the early um, Disney films had a bit of an, like an edge to them, like Pinocchio. And um, like Fantasia had like the big devil bit at the end, yeah. like it uh, it kind of harks back to those days of, he also, of the Disney filmmaking. This was right around because the eighties, as far as I remember, was kind of a rough time for Disney in terms of main like mainstream animated films. Like they'd fallen off. And Robin Hood was pretty good. I think Rescuers was... That was the 60s. Was... Oh, really? Yeah, Christ. that was pretty old. Well, it's... Oh, Don Bluth worked on that, so I... that's why it came to mind. This was about the time of... Um, Black Cauldron. Uh, Black Cauldron, Fox and the Hound, yeah. uh, Oliver and Company, stuff like that. Yeah, this is... Like, Bluth broke away. Disney were kind of struggling. He sort of... His star was sort of on the rise through the 80s, but then... Disney made a big comeback in the 90s and Don Bluth's stuff sort of dropped off. Like, he he released a few films in the 90s and most of them weren't very good. Although I was surprised. I always thought Anastasia was a Disney film. But no, it's Don Bluth. Yeah, I could see that. Abby, you quite like Anastasia, don't you? But you hadn't seen this yeah, film before. Right. What, are your, what are your expectations, I guess? The only thing I need... As soon as something's called The Secret of Nim... You know that it's bare minimum going to be a weird fantasy, and as I knew it was Don Bluth, I was like, "No, this, no, nothing that makes sense is going to come of this." To my mind, the secret of Nim, if it wasn't a children's animated movie, I kind of suggest it's going to be about a transvestite or something. Well, maybe that's just my overactive <laughs> imagination. Anyway, so but like you, you're acquainted with other Don Bluth films, like you had. Did you have any? Have you seen any other animations by this uh, team? Uh, Anastasia, you said, and all dogs go to heaven. Yeah. Doodle. Mm. Oh, you're not on that one. She said you were. I watched Rockadoodle. I don't remember if I was on the show. Oh shit! 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spoilers if you want to listen to our podcast yeah. about it. Shana Clear. Oh, God. Anyway, I, uh, a dog learns to tie his shoes. It's brilliant. When Don Bluth has just a concept that happens to be played out by animals, or... No, see, that's not... There's no hard and fast rule, I think, for him. When there's a straightforward plot, Don Bluth's films are absolutely fine. As soon as it starts to get a bit weird, they go off the rails. Yeah, it's not like he sets out and you know it's going to be bad one way or the other. Like, it's not like... Sometimes he feels like knock-off Disney without being knock-off. It's just because he was trained there and he did that stuff. It Obviously, he's going to parallel. It's also, you know, it's a good idea to be make Disney-like films because that'll sell, but... Well, I think he was also one of the, like, hot shit animators that did very good work for them, which is why it was such a problem when he left. And he was wanting to do things that Disney were refusing to do, because this was a something that he really wanted to do, and Disney kept saying, no, this is too dark and too weird, like, we're not doing this. But they were also fucking flushing themselves down the toilet at the time anyway, so... Yeah, so he, we, so he left know. and took a bunch of people with him, so there was this big split. But it, yeah, it was because he wanted to do sort of stranger things, which which is uh, a hit success <laughs> show later on on Netflix, wasn't it? Yes, no, uh, nothing to do with Don Booth, who is no. still alive, by the way. I think there's he's eighty-two he's or people, something at the minute. Yeah, he's one of the, at the minute. <laughs> he's one of those people who you assume is dead that isn't, because he hasn't sure. made a film since. Titan AE in 2000. Take that, um, Walt Disney, you're dead. <laughs> you old, old dead bastard. Wait a minute, did I watch Titan AE? That sounds familiar. I hear, I hear it's good, but I've never okay. seen it. No, 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 I watched something called Supernova, which was fucking abysmal. Anyway, let's get back on point. <laughs> uh, Jamie, had you seen Secret of Nim before? I had, but not properly. It was. This is kind of one of those... Um, it's one of those cartoons or animated films, I guess. Rather, cartoon makes me think of like Looney Tunes. But um, I'd seen bits and pieces as a kid, and there were parts of it that made an impression on me. But because I didn't know what it was called and it had a weird name, I was never able to figure out what I'd seen. I just remember rats having a sword fight and it being yeah. really well animated and violent, and being a kid and being like. The f- is this like it's never quite dark. um that and uh rock and rule were the ones that i had seen in the same way hmm. and had kind of stuck in my head and for for a long time i didn't know what they were but this i think i rediscovered when i was in the first couple of years of secondary school and we had the book to read the first one um mrs, mrs. Frisbee. Frisbee and the rats of nim oh here's a here's a um, weird point about it about this film. So, while I was watching it, I was going, wait, is this, her name is Mrs. Frisbee. And then, I was like, oh wait, it's Brisbee. And then I found out afterwards, there was some contention over like, they, the book was called Frisbee, but the Frisbee, the item that you throw, may have yeah. been like a law Well, fr- Frisbee isn't what the thing is called. Frisbee's the brand. Yeah, so they changed it to Brisbee, but the voice actors had said Frisbee, or like, so in the film it may or may not have been altered. Like, like, I, did they consistently call them Frisbee or Brisbee? As or? far as as far as I could tell, it was Brisbee the whole time. But I don't know. But it sounds like um, when you're not sure what the names are going to be, 
you're like, uh, actually, the whole fucking thing is full of confusing names, like a weird combination. It's odd to have your protagonist be called Mrs. Anything. She doesn't have a first name. <laughs> she is Mrs. Frisbee. And then she's Mrs. A, Jonathan Brisby. She's a, she's a widow, which which is a interesting thing kinda, to do. That was one of the things I I do like about it is that it has this weird social structure involved. But anyway, but some but like some of my... no, I don't care what your point anymore. I've just remembered the names <laughs> are weird. But the names like the names we will, I will let you say honestly. But yeah. the names are like uh, some people have just got straightforward names. Like what was that sword fight? Jason, I think, is one of them. Justin, uh, Justin, right. Justin, and Jenna. And Although then Jenna's Nick a Jenna's a Jenna's a girl's name, but it's a bloke rat. And then you got Nicorette Patch, and then you got fucking Mister Ages <laughs> or whatever. So like, why do they? Some of them have really fucking weird names. And then a, some of the names are too plain. You know what I mean? Like, is that weird to anyone well, else? I think it's like I was. I was going to say I remember reading the book in school, but didn't. Like I don't remember any of it. It's I rem I just remember it being very very sort of dense. There's a lot in the book that isn't in the film, um, and I feel like the weird hierarchy that the rats develop because of the intelligence that they get is something that the film just doesn't have the chance to explore. Because this was a lot lower budget than it probably originally would have been had it been Disney. Um, which is why it sort of is it's structurally inconsistent. It's just got whatever they could afford to animate in it. Um, it also well, has a bunch of fantasy stuff that wasn't in the book, which is do- more Don Bluth's thing. Yeah, well, and well, let's circle, kinda... we'll circle back around to that when we talk about it, the yeah. specifics a bit, because that's like an overall point. I feel like to start discussing whether the magic or science stuff makes sense yeah. requires well, you're some context. Gonna have fucking field day with that. But um <laughs> oh, I got I got I got some problems lined up, don't you worry uh, yeah. about it. Um but yeah, I I'd never actually sort of sat and watched it properly. Mm-hmm. Um so I was interested I've seen other Don Blue films. Obviously we did Rockadoodle, which I had very affectionate memories of that got oh, yeah completely destroyed when I rewatched it as an adult, because it is not very good. Um, but this, it's it's in a weird place of being somewhat forgotten, but at the time, it got a lot of critical praise, uh, and Disney were very unhappy about it, apparently, because he, Bond Bluth had left, and they were like, fuck him, oh no, he's made something that critics are saying is very, very good, we have to do something, and I well, it's a bit was, like it's a bit like finding your ex girlfriend has gone on to have a better partner than you, isn't it? And it's like, oh, I don't want them to have a nice life now that they left me. To all of them, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but uh, just I was expecting a fairly typical Don Bluth animated film, but it it was actually a little bit darker than his stuff became as time went on. I think a lot of his stuff got worse as it got a little bit too more, like more kid friendly more commercial whereas I, really i, I kind of wish he'd stuck with the stranger shit like this isn't there are problems that i have with this film as well but the, i like that the tone it has um sure. but it kind of it was kind of about what i was expecting okay well i'll i'll just say i like anthony i had seen it a bunch as a kid 
Uh, only vague memories, though, despite repeated watching. It didn't retain yeah. a lot. It was mainly like, oh, there's a creepy owl and a ugly rat wizard or something. And I I remember, obviously, the protagonist being like a, <laughs> like a, I guess, not a middle-aged, but like a mum of four who's a yeah. widow. I remember it being like an odd, like almost like little boys are like, oh, fucking stupid woman mouse. I'm not interested anymore. Yeah, girls. Yeah. yeah. But um, like just vague memories. And I remember it being creepy when I was a kid, so it probably left me with a few nightmares. Especially, like, the opening with the fucking guy with his, like, the rat wizard with his... Uh, why does he have warty hands? Like, they're trying to set him up like he's an ugly bad guy, but he's, like, one of the good guys. I think it's... The idea is he's just... It's the mutation from being one of the original... But he's, like, the only one rats. who's freaky looking. He's also the oldest one, I think. Oh, right. Because he talks about it, like, extent... Like, the experiments extended their life. Yeah. So Anthony, when you revisited this, was it? Did it all the pieces fall into place, and you were happily reminded? And did it all make sense to you? More, more or less. I was surprised by how much I remembered. Like as soon as a new scene came on, I was like, "Oh yeah, this bit." Um, I don't like. You know, there there are certain problems with the film, but on the whole, I, I did enjoy watching it again. I think old, being older and like um, watching it from a more critical point of view, it was nice. It was a nice change of pace to have uh, a children's animation consistently be uh, dark, if not bleak. Like so, it's quite like it's, as an opener, it's like so. There's this fucking widowed mouse, and her child is dying of fucking TB or something. <laughs> and pneumonia. On, pneumonia. <laughs> He's got pneumonia, and uh, so she's got like problems. She's got a dead husband to. Everyone seems to love wherever she goes, but we never meet him. Well, we think we see him in one scene. But yeah, we get like, oh, there's an ugly rat character with magical powers writing in his magical book the story of something or other. Basically Merlin. Yeah, but... that kind of mm. character. But it's like, oh, widowed mouse, ill child fighting to survive being killed by like a plough or a tractor or so there's a lot of peril and a lot of sadness early doors and it kind of continues to be bleak and macabre but it's got like when they, whenever there's a uh, bit of the adventure where it's not just dicking around with a bird or whatever there's like oh creepy cobwebs lair or it's an evil owl or a scary thing or there's rats after you like it continually stays fairly morbid and not morbid but like bleak and creepy like it's more like a kind of horror adventure isn't it i would say i yeah it's i feel like it's it's the it's a collection of memorable scenes strung together on a plot that's a bit too thin or yeah, not not too thin but like not focused enough like it's mm. it's trying to cover a lot in a very short time seemingly with a limited budget like they had to really it feels like they had to really compress it to get everything they wanted to do in it. Yeah, because essentially it's the story of uh, a single mum... mouse was in a bush. No, but like a, a single mum <laughs> needs uh, some help because she she needs to move her, she needs to move house, but her child is ill. So when you've got pneumonia, of course, you can never leave your house or you'll die in the air. You'll just, you'll be, you'll end up crippled like the boy from the secret garden if you breathe in the pollen or something. <laughs> But, like, you know, she can't move house out of the way of this tractor that's coming to tear up the field. And so she needs to solve that issue and 
she keeps being told to visit, like she visits people who tell her to visit someone else until she eventually stumbles upon a massive conspiracy of uh, rats who have powers or something. Would you guys say that's fair? Like it's just passing, it's, passed it's on from be- one person to another. Sorry, go on. This is the beginning of my problem. Oh yeah. Which is, there is both science and magic. Yes, that, and, and they needed should... to make up their mind. Yeah, this usually wouldn't be a problem for me, but it's it's weird because the magic doesn't seem. I kind of felt like the way I thought it was going to go was the magic would be some kind of like allegory for Science. the electricity yeah but no it just seems to be actual magic coexisting with uh science yeah it's 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 an odd one because it's i mean, I mean let's just start speculate about the book time because some of the information known about the book is that the stuff they added to the animation about magic wasn't in the book. The book only consists of science being the reason things are weird for the mice and rats and things. Like, it doesn't contain a magical amulet with ambiguous powers about having courage or something. Like, so they added in a load of shit that should have just been scientifically explained. You know, it can have science fiction. It doesn't have to be literal science, because the idea being... Some rats have been and mice were experimented on in a science lab, and that made them more intelligent and possibly gave them uh, other abilities. I'm not quite sure. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good premise. It it would just be as easy as that to to simplify. It's like, yes, we've all been mutated. I mutated a little bit more, and I can do a bit of magic. It seems strange that there's no connection, so you just have them sort of coexisting for some reason. Yeah, it's a, mm. th- so there's a science. So basically, uh, Mrs. Tiddlywinks or fr- Frisbee or whatever the fuck, Brisby, Mrs. Brisby, eventually, you know, gets passed along to a to fu- to a bunch of uh, a society of mutant or intelligent rats. It's weird because you know Mrs. Brisby is a normal mouse in quotation marks. She wears a little. She wears a little red riding hood rag thing like the her children wear nominal clothes but she speaks cuz you know it's an animated film about an animal but she's like basic like she's she's her husband before he died taught her a bit of uh reading and writing but she could she's intelligent like she's a, she's not like a dumb mouse but the rats have a well, society they, um, or something whenever whenever there's that flashback that explains it they do say that there were rats and mice, and the, yeah. the mice were like blown away down that air vent. So you don't know whether or not they went off and sort of started to build their own society, but didn't have like they didn't develop in the way the rats did. Well, I think the just... the, the the it doesn't get into any sort of alternate yeah, society, I'm... but it's like basically two mice survivors, Mister Ages, who was just a professorial ch- character set up at the convenience of the plot occasionally. Like he's just a kind of Oh, I'm an old man working on a thing with loads of cool inventions, and I don't have time to help you, Mrs. Brisby, with your dying child. I guess I can begrudgingly put some herbs in an envelope or something. <laughs> but he's just, you know, a prefressory mouse who was also alive, also one of the experimented on mice. 
And then Jonathan Brisby, who we don't see very much, who was just this legendary dead mouse <laughs> that Mrs. Brisby was having sex with pre the story. Good God. You do... What? It's a kid's movie. They were married. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, they were married. And then. You don't have to be, you don't have to be all 2019 internet about it. Oh, yeah, those mice were fucking. They got four kids. How do you think those mice came about? It wasn't magic or science. It was old-fashioned sweet loving. <laughs> she's got, yeah. you know, she's a widow as well, so, you know, she's got more mice in her, potentially. It's funny that they teased a love interest in Justin, and then See, absolutely yeah, nothing came of it. That's, that's what I'm... This is what I mean. I feel like the... Because this, uh, from what I could tell, began its life before Don Bluth left Disney, I feel like there's a lot of ideas in here that he kept in the hope that they would be able to develop it, and then they ended up having to sort of scale back and scale back and scale back until... Because the film's short, too. It's only an hour and 20, 22... Well, with credits, it's like an hour and 18 minutes of actual yeah. story. So, like, they they really cram a lot in... And that's, I think that's part of the inconsistency in terms of the actual story. It's, it jumps around a lot because it's trying to do everything. It's good in a way, though, to have a female lead character not hook up to save the day. Like, she um, struggles through all of her situations. She has to woman up and uh, overcome a bunch of obstacles. And then not to hook up with a guy all happy endings like that. She just goes, you know, back to being a single mum at the end. That's kind of that better, is... right? That is, yeah, I thought that at the end, because whenever the love interest was kind of, like, suggested, that I it kind of rolled my eyes at that, thinking, like, well, yeah, animated fantasy in the 80s, like, she, of course she can't be a single widow bringing up children, they have to put her with somebody, and then they didn't, and I, I did think that was... Oh, that's a that's a strangely grounded way to end her story in this film. Yeah, yeah it was really good that they... Like nothing came of it, but it just it turns. Yeah, of, don't put it like, in. Why bother like, even putting yeah. something there? You don't. I mean, yeah. Well, it was his name, Justin, right? So this Justin Mouse that becomes a potential love interest. He just the it's the weirdest way he gets into it because when she uh, goes to the Society of Rats in their special place under the rosebush, whatever, he is dressed up as a soldier because there's fake soldiers or toys or something. Is that right? And he like is dressed up so, yeah. in a corridor for no reason, just to kind of jump out and be scary. And then, ah, oh, no, I'm a nice. Even though yeah, before just... that, there was a rat trying to murder her with an electrical. <laughs> what was that his name? With yeah. like an electric, pointy stick spear. <laughs> spear sure. There is. See, this is. I think. Just look. Just looking at the film and approach it like just approaching it in terms of the visuals and the atmosphere. There's a few scenes in this that I just as isolated scenes I really like because they're just fucking cool even that like the whole bit where she meets the owl was mm. great because of how fucking dark and strange it was um, the fact that he's introduced with his head upside down and like twists it around to look at her um, and yeah. then the scene where she first goes into the rose bush and like the vines are alive and there's all these weird, like, diff- like multicolored electrical shocks going on in the background. There's a face at one 
point made of vines. Like It's constantly all... trying to be creepy in these scenes, which is what's interesting about it. Yeah, and I like I like that stuff, but again, yeah, again, the problem is like those scenes in isolation you can enjoy, but you also have to you have to kind of fill in a lot of gaps, but not in like between those scenes, but not in the way that is sort of deliberate. You know, you can you have you can make a, a film or a TV show or whatever where you can imply certain things, and then the audience can easily kind of just fill in the gaps in between. But usually that comes across, whereas here you can tell they just have to drop stuff. It's just that there's a few handbrake turns where, say, the scene where she's going into the rosebush uh, hideout, it's, oh my god, there's a rat that's trying to attack her and electricity, and it's all cool looking and weird, and she's scared. And then she just like, oh, hey, um, Mr. AG's from earlier, what are you doing here? Um, I'm just, I'm just going to reassure you so you can go in again. It's fine. No, Don't, there's, yeah, whatever. At, at the very least, Brutus should apologise. Oh, mm. I'm sorry I attacked you. I'm the guard electronic spear guy. I get get a bit caught up in my work. Sorry. There is a, there is a there's a whole society going on that is all like it's all it's this weird mix of a modern society, but also kind of a medieval one, and I. Again, I I sort of I wish the film had the budget that it really should have had. It could have been time. elaborated on, couldn't it? Yeah, there's a there's 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 a much bigger film with more depth in like in here. It almost seems like this is a pre this is like a tech demo. Yeah. Um, for the film they could have made that they just never got to. Anthony, what bits for you uh, do you think are worth? Uh... Like what? What bits for you think? Do you think have merit? Are you with Jamie here that that you know it was the macabre stuff that was interesting or what? To to a certain point, yes. I mean, every time the film kind of goes a bit mainstream, if you will, whenever they put a song in or they have that crow Jeremy on doing some comic relief, Dom like, those, like those are kind of the weaker bits. I, I was glad, um, though, at the start of the film where they introduced Jeremy, this uh, clumsy crow. Like, if basically uh, Mrs. Brigsby is coming back with some medicine for a child, and she just stumbles upon a fucking stupid crow who's all tangled up in stri- uh, red string, and then he get he kind of imperils her where so that the, ga- <laughs> the, the farmer's cat called Scarf... Is a, oh, no, is it Scar? Dragon. Mm. Dragon. I was thinking uh, yeah. Lion King, I was thinking of. Dragon... Okay, because it's a fantasy, you see. Oh, anyway, Dragon the Cat is going to come and eat the crow and the mouse if they, you know, get caught, I presume. But he's, you know, light. I, I appreciated. We started off with widows and, and dying and peril. So I, I was happy when he turned up. And I like Don DeLuise as this kind of comedy dickhead bird. Like, it's a bit like the guy from uh, Rescuers on Rescuers and, Down um, Under. It, rem- it reminded me of a, of a less... Uh, ma- like bipolar batty from Fern Gully. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> but, but instead of rapping, he would do the Dom DeLuise uh, <laughs> laugh that he does. Yeah, his main gag seemed to be he gets caught in things, and also he's allergic to he's the an idiot. cat. Like, 
He's a, he's a yeah. clumsy off. And I like the way that Mrs. Brigsby dealt with him, which was basically, like, she kind of fobbed him off with stupid things that were supposed to be helping. Yeah, go help my kids. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Stay away. You're literally, your clumsiness is going to get me killed. It's, it's like, there are times when he's a bit much for the rest mm. of the film, but at the same time, without that character, it is too bleak for a kid's film. This is 1982, so this is... I think this is even pre, in the US, that PG-13 rating. Um, And it's still at a time when big animated movies are typically associated with being for children. Like, things things had come earlier, like Fritz the Cat or Wizards and weird shit like that, but they were very much, like, considered you know, underground, weird cartoons. Like, the idea of having even family animated movies was still a bit sort of strange. They were primarily seen as for kids. So, so I think there's there's a pressure there to have a sort of more cartoony character and bent to it when you've got rats sword fighting and fucking stabbing each other, which is the mm. best scene in the movie. That and the owl scene. I was going to say, I think it's more... I think you're right about they they needed him there in some way uh, to just lighten things up between horrible scenes. But I think it's the sudden change shift in in tone that um, because most yeah. way all all the way through the film the tone is very even. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's just when it when it does do the comic relief, it just does it a bit too much compared yeah, it's to like anything Jar-Jar else. I wouldn't go that far. Well, mm. yeah. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't seem that just... out of place and offensive. He's just a sort no. of comedy bird guy. He also practically immediately gets laid right at the end of the film. Mm. Yeah, but he's been of help, hasn't he? He's you no know, flown her about a bit, and although he does have a weird lust for the medallion, a bit like uh, Gollum from fucking Lord of the Rings. He's like, yeah. oh, I, it's like I, his magpie instincts <laughs> kick in. He's like, I want the shiny medallion. That'll help me get laid. <laughs> I was more, yeah, I was more weirded out by just how fucking horny he is. <laughs> I, I got a sense that he'd probably, you know, be up for hooking up with Mrs. Brigsby if that worked. Uh, all right. Jesus Christ. I'm just obsessed with her. Do you know, like how some people are like, <laughs> oh, Jessica Rabbit, she's so hot. I'm like, Mrs. Brigsby, you sexy oh, widow. Milf. <laughs> she's all free Territory now. Look, I, look, I apologize. All right. That's not who I Do have. you know. You're like page three of the Google results if you Google this character. Oh dear. I, I've <laughs> never looked at nor wanted to see any fanfiction. I just am adding for the sake of it now. Anyway, back to the story. Let's sure not discuss. Way, but I bet it is. Oh, if you can think of cartoon characters doing it, it's already been done, mate. Yeah. Anyway, um, actually, Abby, how do you feel? You finally. As. <laughs> as. <laughs> No, no. Oh my god. That's not where the direction is going. On the scale of cartoon female characters. Not where I'm going. Not where I'm going. Oh my god. I thought you were going to ask me what cartoon porn I was. (laughs) was Ah, dear. Mrs. Brisby go sit between. uh, What did you say? Jessica Rabbit? No. No, I don't require (laughs) this. Wait, no. Or Marge Simpson no. with her head down. Oh my god! <laughs> I was I was gonna be patronising about Abby's 
gender and and ask if it was good to have a female protagonist in a film for a change seeing as most films they sort of uh, have the odd woman in peril or animal woman in peril but did it from this year i am totally behind what they try to do with the protagonist and like her relationship to the other characters and her motivations that's all great it's the MacGuffins that mm, yeah. gives me pause. It's not, and she's not just a, like a female lead pretending to be a man, if you know what I mean. No, she, she has, you know, female problems, if you know what I mean. She's got a family. <laughs> it's a time of the month. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's got a, a family she needs to look after, and she's not. You know, she's a bit more. She is more timid, more stereotypically. It's just um, mum problems, isn't it? mother, yeah. Yeah, um, she's, she is a very... Uh, like, for for as short as the film is, she gets... A, like, there's a lot of depth to her character that isn't... Like, you're not told it. And I part, part of it, I think, probably comes from the, the voice performance, but also just what she's trying to do. You get a real sense of someone who has sort of been around and has been kind of managing for a while. She's a widow. She's juggling four mice children. She can't stay at home and look after her ill son. She's She's fending off the advance... She's fending off the the help of a magpie... Not a magpie, like a blackbird thing. Annoying idiot. And she has an annoying Auntie Shrew character who is both... Hates the children and looks after them (laughs) and bothers her. So she's doing... Like all the stuff mums have to do, which is fend off annoying relatives, look after your children while simultaneously not being there, getting the medicine, going on a bloody quest, talking to the magical owl. It's all the stuff mums deal with on a regular basis. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. Auntie Shrew is probably the most annoying yet badass character I've seen for ages. I I I really warm to her as well. Yeah, because when she in, when she comes in, she's a blustering bitch full of comp, uh, full of like just yeah. horrible things to say. And then by the end, she's like beating up a fucking uh, a raven and keeping him in check while babysitting. So yeah, and and yeah, and she's just a proper. Even though the way she behaves is kind of like well shrewish, um, she's still she's still there for the main character when she needs her. Yeah. Yeah, like when uh, uh, when a tractor's coming to bulldoze her house, the shrew helps out with Mrs. Brigsby, who's not doing that good a job of disabling the tractor. But I don't know, if I was a tiny mouse and I had to jump on a giant machinery thing that I didn't understand, I don't think I'd be able to pull the right bit of wire out. So I was going to say, that's the equivalent of you, as you are in real life, jumping on a tank to try and, like, Disable it before it destroys your house. Even a bigger <laughs> tank than a re- like it'd be something yeah. like a fucking colossus or something. Um, but you know the shrew, anti shrew, whatever her name was, like she is the one to disable the tractor for the day to buy more time, uh, so that uh, Mrs. Brigsby can find out what the fuck Just she's be, supposed to do no to move her house. Oh, she called Frisbee in the book, so whatever. Why doesn't she have a real name? I'm sure it's like just something nice, like Diane or Jessica. But instead, she's she's defined by her dead husband, Jonathan. You're giving her even more depth than the film has. You've got a dangerous obsession with this cartoon mouse. I didn't realise how much I liked it. As a child, I thought, ugh, woman. But this is, this children is are sexist your... and horrible. So when I grew up, I was like, I respect her now. Um, this, is, this is back on your your weird 
obsession with the frog women in uh, Hell Comes to Frog Town. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the owl a bit because there's a lot. Yeah. There was a lot more to unpack with this rat shit. We didn't. We haven't covered the rat society shit enough yet. But I have because that's about as much oh, as the film covers. Oh, there's hardly any more that it, it elaborates on. But there's so much more questions. The secret of Nim. It should be the secret of this fucking weird rat society. But the owl is this interesting character because he's this scary. Like obviously, all woodland creatures are are in danger from owls. What with them being nighttime bird predators. Don't know if you they know are that, guys. Actually, terrifying too. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen an owl in real life, like flying or anything? There's a man who walks down my street sometimes who has an owl on his shoulder. What the fuck is? I remember seeing that guy with an owl yeah. just in in Tlethley Town, which is not the place you expect to see a man with an owl on his gauntlet. Is he? Is he like a warlock? Is it his I, familiar? It, <laughs> it, it, it blew my mind. I was walking past Oxfam one day, and we just saw this guy who apparently just lives near Anthony, who owns a fucking owl. He just wanders around with it on his on his wrist, like it's a fucking taking his dog for a walk. And it's pissing a hole, and you're like, they're haunting. They're they're too big. They're bigger than you expect, and they look intense because of their eyes and their swiveling heads. Um, shit out of their mouth. They cough up hairballs and shit, don't they? And they cough up digested food. Just have a fucking banana, owls, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> fucking have a banana and have a poo like the rest of us. Anyway, the owl... They their heads all the way around, they got big eyes. In this film, uh, the owl is kind of in a cobwebbed woodland He's maze. inside an old tree. But it's full of, like... I mean, there's a nice introduction. There's, like, a horrible spider crawling about. And the owl just fucking murders it and eats it. And is like, hi, I've got... Lord of the Rings. The, yeah. Her, like, going into the into the tree to find the owl. It's got that sort of uh, Lord of the Rings feel to it. Do they find an owl in Lord of the Rings? Or do they just no, fight but off there's spiders? A, there's a giant spider. Yeah, but then... There's a metal Can't owl find... in... Yeah, it's the little mechanical Is that Jason, Jason and the Argonauts? No, that's Clash of the Titans. Mm. But, yeah. But, yeah, anyone want to, you know, explain this owl situation? It's essentially an owl helps when you didn't expect him to. I mean, owls are usually... like they're. A ve- it's a typical cultural sort of trope to have... Owls are always seen as wise or they're, they're like a or in Rockadoodle super fucking evil able to vomit yeah. magic oh mm. yeah oh, I forgot about that um, but like they've got a very you know they're they're often mysterious or linked to sort of you know other spiritual worlds or they're har- harbingers of doom or like there's in like every culture or country where Owls are common. There's some kind of cultural idea of them. They've they they're linked to like alien abductions sometimes, which is fucking weird. Well, let's not say anything more about that, or the FBI will be like down here in a sec. To... I was going to start talking about my experiences, but um, shut up about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like they they're always kind of uh... they come with a lot of social baggage to to owls. The characterization of the owl is very much a typical 
ominous character that has a lot of information that knows things mm. and then just fucks off <laughs> like he's, he's gone it's a weird it's like he's assumed to be dangerous and scary and he's obviously mysterious everyone talks about him like anyone mrs brisby talks to is like fucking hell you talk to the owl <laughs> yeah. you, 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 you had a word with the owl fucking hell if it's not you're the Jonathan Brisby's wife. It's you had a, a word with the owl, did you? Everyone kind of reacts like it's some big deal because obviously this owl has a reputation of being mysterious, possibly dark. I do. I I get the impression as well that through that whole scene, there's there is kind of a chance that the owl might just eat her anyway. Yeah, they play it like that. And then he kind of flies off like, I'm now actually going to go murder your... I could be relatives. Yeah. I might go eat your children. <laughs> like, I- I've given you some like, advice, which is basically talk to the fucking rats for fuck's sake. Oh, no, it's talk to... What's his name? Nicorette... Nicodemus. Patch? Nicodemus, right. Nick, talk, go talk to Nicodemus. Now I might go hunt your children. <laughs> Later. And he never comes into it again. I'm kind of disappointed they all didn't have any further work to do other than be creepy. I don't know. I, I kind of like that he's just gone. Like, I like... The... I'm glad he's gone, because I'm scared of him. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, that's that scene... He was like, covered in reason... cobwebs. Why was he covered in cobwebs? He doesn't even care that spiders are weaving webs on him. I think that's just... out. Like, they just sit there during the day. If it's daytime, I'm kipping. I don't give a shit. Yeah, um... But like it's there's a, it's one of those scenes that you know there's a reason that people who saw this film back in the day this is one of the scenes that, that they remember. Yeah, it was one of the things I remember. Was it was it yeah, for you, Auntie? So... Stuck out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, uh, should... go on. Oh well, I was just going to say like we mentioned the uh, voice work on uh, Mrs. Brisby, but just generally the. Um, the voice acting throughout the film is like every single character has a lot of not charisma, but every voice actor's going for it and has kind of crafted a very specific voice. Like Derek Jacoby as Nicodemus and um, John Carradine as the owl. Like they have this very low textured, almost very, very theatrical um reading of all of their lines that gives it that like um gravitas yeah it feels like everyone it feels like everyone is trying to do a good job maybe it's because it's like oh this is an off branch of disney if this is successful we could have jobs for life here like we could have another avenue of income so let's all put the effort into being good characters it's it's before a time where celebrities, because you know, obviously the, a lot of the actors in this are also screen actors, like they're celebrities. But now, a lot of the time, when a an existing actor celebrity is cast, it's just an stunt cast film, to be celebrities. Yeah, in it, it's it? it's their recognizable voice. Like they don't do a, a character particularly a lot. Not always, mm. but a lot of the time. Whereas this is back when, like, you know, this it wasn't like. Oh yeah, I'm, I, I guess apart from Don DeLuise, he basically just plays himself. But um, there's a lot of people like, who worked for the Disney animation as well. Like a few of the voices are shared with some of the previous Disney movies. Yeah. So it feels like the same level of talent has come across into this film. And they're all kind of they're all taking it seriously. This isn't yeah. like 
fucking Shrek or, you know, the kind of post-Shrek animation world that we used to now where celebrities just go, hey, I'm going to here to make references to modern rap songs. Yeah, I think that's one of the plus points for this film is it doesn't feel entered in, it's not shallow, it's it's trying, it's just there's limitations in it. Does anyone else have any bits and bobs they want to bring up or do you want to just move on to maybe talking about this fucking weird rap business? Um, I had a point earlier on. I think Abby said, like, her problem was with the MacGuffins, mainly, mm. mm-hmm. in the film. Especially and, the talisman, which is unexplained. Yeah. The red yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's because it's... The film, for the the first half to two-thirds, is really good at, like, hooking you in with mystery. Um, yeah. Like, I think the first lines are... The first line of the film is like, Jonathan Brisby died today whilst yeah. doing the plan. And it's like, ooh, that's... What does that mean? Um, and all the way through, you have, like, the mystery of who her husband was and what he did and um, what the rats are up to. And it, I think it's because that's such a good setup that uh, all the way through. And then there's no real way of it living up to it yeah. at the end. It's like, oh, Jonathan Brisby was like the rats and helped them out a bit. Okay. I think it's it it that would work, but the problem is they also continue introducing more things mm. until the end, but don't expand on them. Like intru- like the the amulet thing that glows or the all the strange devices that Nicodemus has in his Yeah, he can like his... view different places. He's got like a magical mirror that can see things. Yeah, and it's like why and he, like and It's also it's all avoidable. You don't need the talisman. You don't need well, the yeah. sci fi shit. You just have a or simple even... reveal of oh it, it Jonathan uh, Brisby wasn't all that he his wife knew he was, you know, like Well even if you did want to introduce more sort of fantasy feeling elements to it. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with that sentence. <laughs> if more like um, that kind of kind of magical realism, make the make the magical objects that you are introducing, like his whatever fucking scrying mirrors that he has, <laughs> or her uh, her amulet, ground them in some kind of recognizable technology that. The rats mm. have taken. Yeah, like, and, like okay, they ha- like it's to make it magic. If it's a talisman in our world, it's like an electromagnet or something, or Watch you know, something. Yeah, a like, compass or like take things that mice and rats don't know what they are, but they're able to use them because they're more intelligent now well, because they've they, experimented they, on like or you, something. It also, because of the whole electricity thing, you can use that as like that's them like you know, infusing it with magic yeah. to them, but it's their feeding on the power that they're getting from the farm that makes more sense if you are going to introduce that stuff i still again it doesn't seem all that necessarily necessary to introduce that stuff especially because it wasn't in the book apparently yeah so it seems strange to just kind of shove it in there why why the fuck would you that doesn't need altering it's not like you have to have magic in your thing just do it as the book like the book might not have been the best ever but Fucking, there's no problem with it being. It's, yeah, it's a, just a weird thing. Intelligent it's like introducing, rats. It's like introducing cars into Lord of the Rings. 
<laughs> like just and wait, did just that happen? It, I, I, my I memory know, says, like, Hobby, <laughs> the Hobbit movies. Did they introduce cars and spot? Was that the thing? Small had a car. He rocked up in his Humvee. <laughs> there was a famous. Know. There was a famous mistake in one of the yeah. scenes where they're walking through a field where there's like a Range Rover, like way back in the distance in Lord yeah, of the Rings. Nobody noticed because oh, wow. everyone was looking <laughs> at Henson's face. But um, like, that's what I mean though. It's like it's egregious. It just sort of you can mm. tell it doesn't belong there because it doesn't gel with everything. Like there's no, yeah. the, and it, it's just there. It's this parallel. There's sci-fi and fantasy, which you can mix to get like Star mm. Wars. Perfect example. That is basically just Arthurian fantasy, but in space with lasers. Like, but they try and can... explain it a bit. They don't just have a special medallion that's it. Like, it's so, it's so pointless because at the end of the film, all this magic medallion they've introduced, like the mirrors that uh, Nicodemus uses, don't no one else seems to know about or use. They don't. They're not relevant. And all the medallion does is lift a fucking brick house out of the mud and move it to somewhere else. And we already established that the rats have the technology to be able to, like, use a basic crane. Like, just have something else happen so that you don't need the magic to save the day because yeah, it, it just seems, and it I, just like, seems I, out of and nowhere. I, I get the... Again, if, there, if in some way there was another way to establish that magic exists in this world, I can mm. see why there's a, like... It makes sense in terms of uh, having a a dramatic ending to literally show Mrs. Brisby's courage having physical impacts on sure. on the world, which is, you know, she she the medallion kind of psychically psychically allows her to pull her own house out of the mud and like fine. But then but, she just gives up the medallion anyway to like, some prick who she met, made friends with. Yeah, it and yeah, it's almost like she goes yeah, I don't know why I have this magic thing though. So you can have it. Like, there's like mm. why why you introduce it if you're not going to do anything with it or sort of weave it into the to the sci-fi aspect. It's just very odd. It's one of the rare instances where I think I agree with Rich and like the weird <laughs> stuff doesn't rare. really fit. Sometimes you agree. It's pretty with me. rare when you're like, "Whoa, this isn't realistic." Magic is bullshit. Always science to the uh, end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I'm trying to think of like a, any movie with ghosts we've done. I can just imagine. <laughs> yeah, they're real, aren't they? So fuck it. Well, there isn't. There isn't a fucking school for m- fucking wizards. All right, they don't exist. I won't. I won't accept this reality. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk uh, doesn't make sense. No, I, I feel like Rich watching Lord of the Rings. If they did introduce cars in it, he'd just be like, "That's better." Yeah, I it would be better. <laughs> I can see. Where they're going with it, though, I, I, they, they're trying to have a balance between, uh, like, the natural, like, the, the technological, and like the spiritual. Yeah, I get. Um, I, that's what I mean. But, they should mix yeah. them. They should but, connect in some way. But it, but I think the problem is when it comes to the other two, it it highly focuses on the negatives or like the harsh harsh realities of both nature and technology. Because you know they're they're always in, like the animals are always in like some sort of terrible situation where uh, like routinely their their homes are destroyed and they have to to leave, um, and they're just the general menace from other creatures and stuff like that. And then with the scientific, it it focuses on how 
like the animals were like experimented with That's um, terrible. You, know, you know and stuff like that but then when it comes to like the spiritual the magical side you only get the it's good unless it's in the wrong hands yeah. then it might be a problem but conveniently right. like, the film doesn't even worry about whether it gets in the wrong hands because no one would get no one with any no, none of the bad characters get hold of any of this stuff. They're they're bad because they're trying to manipulate people and be violent and just you know betray people and things. They I don't was, actually I use was... the evil mad. They don't ma- get the magic and ch- ch- cause problems, or get science and cause problems. They just cause issues for people. This is that's the thing though. Like it adds an it adds an extra dimension. That idea of you know, uh, maybe it's like like Nicodemus as a character who's very much presented as a sort of wizard. Um, Didn't see his death coming in his magic mirror, though, did he? Dickhead, he just sat on that boat and got no, squish-washed by a fucking... He got lump. fucking wrecked as well. <laughs> I forgot how violent his death was. Mm. Um, but no, like, if you had that, you have that added dimension, potentially, if you do link them of, you know, he sees, he uses this sort of magic as a as a positive influence and then if you have that being derived from the actual scientific stuff or the experimentation that happened that he presents as bad you've got that kind of it's almost like the force in star wars you have this it depends on the person using it speaking of of the force was anyone else bothered when uh when mrs brisby turns up and meets him uh, he gives her the medallion, but he just floats the box it was in off to one side, and no one <laughs> yeah, references see, how freaky that is. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, why? Why is there magic and science, but there's no, like, it would, it's right there. Just the idea that you weave them together mm. to to add more sort of texture to the story. It's it's, and it, it, maybe it was something that they wanted to do, and they just couldn't. Well, it was just it was a bad book. idea. Oh, I don't know about a bad idea. I mean, the opportunity is there. I feel like just a couple of lines from Nicodemus could have explained stuff. I don't even because, know if... Because he would have been... Like, the rats would have been the the link, like, the middle ground between yeah. nature and technology. So they should have, like, sprouted their own kind of, like, spirituality or mysticism. Yeah, that's um, what I thought it was, it was going to do, but it just kind of doesn't. And that's mm-hmm. what I mean, like, the... Having the medallion have a, a recognizable design that we would know as a piece of technology, like I, you know, like I said, like it, it's a watch battery or yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, something like that. Anything. We we've got this problem with it, and I think if you just dis- instead of trying to fix what they want, perhaps what they to go, how could they make the combination of magic and science com- and uh, you know, experimentation and nature. I, I don't think you need to fix that. If you just remove the magic elements, well, there's plenty yeah. plenty to focus on that's interesting in the film. Mm. So, like, yeah, there was no need to put it in there in the no. first place. And, like, so the plot unravels, and basically, uh, Mrs. Brisby discovers the Rat Society. She's kind of, she's not, she's not overwhelmed. There's a lot to take in, but they're, they're going to help her, and, you know, they have this, they have this kind of weird like she, she kind of wanders into a big room with with a lot of the uh, I don't know rat politicians rat. arguing, mm. and then it's like the the guy who's like a shit slim ratigan is the main villain, isn't he? <laughs> Jenna, and he's called Jenna after Caitlyn Jenner, presumably. No, pre him, um, her, oh whatever. <laughs> I've stumbled oh into God, a hornet's nest. How did you get that nest. into a fucking? <laughs> 
episode she, about the spirit of Nim. Because there's a man, there's a man mouse called Jenna. It's confusing to me. Um, anyway, the, but there's like crap Rattigan. He kind of is. He occasionally does asides with. Um, is like, is it like the? It's a. It's another rat, but he seems a bit like somewhere between. Um, the what's the guy from the sheriff of Nottingham and also uh, Robin's fry, friend Friar Tuck? He's kind yeah, of like yeah, a Friar Tuck, sheriff of Nottingham. He's, kind like, of his, he's like his co-conspirator sort of. He's but reluctantly like... going along with stuff because he's got a wibblier sword than that rat has. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> so, but also, they have swords. I don't know why. Because fantasy. Like... Yeah, they could have guns. It would make more sense. Um, but you know. But there's this big senate of well, there's a small, a a, a colourful senate with a few rats arguing, and you know they they sort of debate whether they should help, uh, but then they find out oh you're fucking Jonathan Brisby's wife, then we must we owe it to him because he blah 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 saved the day at some point. But so we've got this kind of rat going for he's manipulating people and just pretending to help for political needs. Uh, for political reasons, he's got this conspiracy going on. He's going to be- use the saving her family uh, as an uh, opportunity to bump off one of the rival in uh, Nimrod or whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> so we got this whole. It's quite complicated, but essentially, the big moment at, at this point is the revelation that oh, the secret of Nim is Nim is the National Institute of Mental Health. Which is a scientific lab building in the human world. Oh, we're we're in the human world, but it's a, la- a lab run by humans that experiment on animals. And at some point, some uh, lab rats and mice were in- vaguely injected and souped up or tested on, and they became more intelligent. But they also wanted their freedom, and somehow Jonathan helped them save. Well, he got a lot of mice killed. See him and another one. Uh, survived, and they helped the intelligent rats escape. So they all kind of owe it because Jonathan did a thing in a flashback. Is that like? Yes. And that sets up this idea that oh fuck, the rats are all super intelligent and can read and know about electricity, and have could made a society under a rose bush that requires them to nick electricity from a farmer's house. And part of the political landscape is: is it right to nick electricity or not? I like that central theme of, like, they want to leave because they don't want to keep stealing from people. It's very socialist, <laughs> isn't it? Mm. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, Jenna is like, no, fuck it. We should stay here and freeload off these people forever. Yeah. But the, but Nim are coming to, like, pull up the bush and kill all the rats. Yeah, well, I, well, see, this is the thing. The interesting part is not stupid medallions and magic. It's, oh, fuck, yeah. the humans are aware that some rats have escaped. They're possibly aware that they're intelligent. And they've, like, I like the the fact that the farmer is, like, this the only mustachioed human we actually see. Uh, yeah. Like, he's, like, this dude who gets a phone call, like, oh, uh, Mr. Farmer Man, can we dig up your rosebush? Uh, have you got? We want to get rid of those rats for you. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And he doesn't seem to realize the magnitude. But maybe the scientists are aware. We got. We've let some super intelligent rats get away. Yeah, I mean, presumably they know what they were doing to the rats, and then the fact that the rats escaped, they were like, oh shit. Yeah, just a bunch of scientists from AIM are going to come and gather them all up and use them to help power Mordok or something. I don't know. 
But like, did you, I thought this fucking idea was it, like it adds an element of th- danger. So the, the evil rat is actually wrong, not just because he's being Im- immoral, but if he stays in the rosebush, his plan his plan will go yeah. wrong because he'll be. It's weird to do that where the bad guy is inadvertently going to cause problems for everyone that he doesn't know about. Like I, I think maybe he should have conspired with the humans or something. I don't know. I guess that would be too elaborate. It's already Again, muddied. Yeah. That they're already trying to cram in as much as they can in in a short film, and that again, I, the the primary problem other than there being magic for some reason that isn't really used properly in terms of the actual plot is the film just is it's it goes over things too quickly and then has to just stop. It adds a complexity that it can't elaborate on that would be interesting, but it hasn't got time, so we just have a lot of yeah. stuff. Abby, what did it's you very... Abby, what you've uh, been a little bit quiet there. What did you make of this whole science lab revelation, this idea that her husband was some sort of intellectual genius that had kept it to himself and things? It was completely unnecessary to the story and annoying. Were you intrigued though? But like, just did you want to find out more about the sort of science labs that had experimented on these mouse and no, mice and rats? Was, the story was about a widow trying to get medicine for her son, and then doubling down on the he also has to be evacuated because farmer. We got enough and peril. That was enough of a story by itself. Then it was. Oh, there's also some super rats, and there's a magic medallion, magical owl, rat dudes. And it's just like, why is there so much? This this story could be achieved without any magic or weird science. What you would have liked is just the animals of Farthing Wood, where animal, <laughs> animals escape from the peril that is man and technology. Because they could still have sort of worked out for themselves how to do, like, scaffolding a crane. That's not... I wouldn't term... That's not advanced science in the the spectrum that we're talking about. Yeah, because Brisby and her family built a fucking house. I mean, it's a bit borrowers, but they got basic architecture and and they got human civilization going on. Presumably that's Jonathan's influence, though. What, so he's the first mouse to build a house and to create furniture? and like, So we don't get the context of primitive other mice, you know? That's really the main problem, is that it's, it's trying to cram too much into its hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. Anthony, how do you feel about all this? Because like you partly talked about... Uh, the presentation that, oh, science and human mechanisms are bad, but magic is good. But how did you feel about the revelation that, oh, these rats were experimented on, there, there's you know a bigger conspiracy going on with the society of rats? How did you feel about all this extra stuff? I was fine with it, personally. Um, Do you think they like, could have elaborated on it more? I, Would you have enjoyed that? I, um, not so much. Like, I uh, personally, when I was watching it, I would have them to have been a bit, a little bit more philosophical with their situation. Yeah. Because um, I thought that was, you know, I don't know if it was meant to be an allegory of the human race at yeah. that point, where they, we, we become, you know, uh, essentially scavengers. We don't really cook, uh, buy our own, uh, make our, grow our own food anymore. We're not really one with nature. The, the complacency um, and, of of getting something for free and 
Mm. Um, and, and again, like uh, how the rats, I said before, are in a, this unique um, bit where they're between nature and technology and they have the self-realization to realize we need to return to nature more than to technology. Um, I would like to like a bit more with that. But then again, this is uh, aimed at children and it already has so much for them to be keeping up with. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot for f- children to give shit about. Which is probably why mm-hmm. they just went. I guess we'll just have a seed where a mouse gets in trouble with a cat. Tom and Jerry, that's good. Send the mm-hmm. mouse in. Let make like sh- so. Basically, Mrs. B- why does Mrs. Br- uh, Brisby go into the house with the uh, drag and the cat sleeping and get into a kind of situation where she's kidnapped by a child? Why is she going in there? Oh, because they need to make sure the cat is out of the way for them to like do anything. Sleep. Yeah. So instead, which, she... which is why, which is when I assume that's how uh, Jonathan Brisby died, because they, they do say like trying to drug yeah. the cat. So, um, and she was the only one who would fit through the hole to do it. So I assume that's why she ends up doing it because Plus Jonathan it's... was the one who used to do it. Plus, it's her problem. The kids are ill and trapped in the house or whatever. But she mm. she's basically um, encouraged to take her cloak off. I guess. Um, oh God, Rich! I'm not making it did sexual. You, did you get a bit hot under the collar, Rich? <laughs> I thought it was convenient that the humans aren't seeing a mouse with claws on. I, uh, if she'd have just gone in as is, I wouldn't have questioned it. But it was like, oh well, if the humans saw little tiny claws on them, they'll think something. Yeah, up. that's a good point. Actually, I I didn't think about that. It's like that mouse is wearing a cape. <laughs> but she basically, they have they bluff us, and the child suddenly uh, traps the mouse and asks the mum if she can keep. Asks her his mum if she can. Oh, I don't know. The fucking kid gets the mouse and puts it in a cage, and it's just so we can have a pointless. Oh, Mrs. Brizzy must escape the cage and so kick free, and like try and sneak out through the water bit that she's like I she's kept say, as a pet, and she has her, to break uh, free, and who cares? Her awkward like swimming and squeezing through the thing is was really well animated. Because See, now you're making it sexual. Like you, you're. <sighs> Look, it's. It's just inherent in the film. No, but like, um, it's <laughs> no, it's really uh, the whole film actually. Because this is something that I, I don't think any of us brought up yet is how how well animated a lot of Don Bluth's films are in terms of the actual like physicality and movement of the characters mm. and how much of this, how much of a sense you get of them just from their design and the way they move. It um, is. It is really nicely animated. It's slightly dated, but um, it's really it, like it's one of those films that makes me realize how much I miss that kind of animation, hand-drawn cell animation. Definitely. Like, there's a real, especially because I was watching it in um, HD, so you can like, it's one of those films where you can see the texture of the animation itself. Yeah. Like, there are moments where. Um, something's not like fucked up but like because it's in high definition you can see certain um, layers where animated characters and background there's like a there's a degree of separation but it gives you instead of making it look cheap it gives you an it gives you a better sense of the kind of craftsmanship that goes into it feels like an art project rather than it's not trying to convince yeah. you everything's in the same universe. It's just trying to be beautiful and artistic and nice. Yeah, it's it it like like animation, really, 
was and I kind of wish was now too still because um, a lot of the time it isn't it's almost it's a moving painting rather than CGI characters moving around each other Abby, is not this... that CGI Sorry. films are bad but you know there are I'm not being that really critical yeah. but I wish I do wish there were more hand-drawn animated movies still Abby, is this something you could appreciate because obviously you've been quite uh, negative towards Nim but is the animation style or the approach to create this beautiful artwork something you could admire? What was it about the 1970s making everything fucking ugly? This what is 1982. It's 82, mate. You didn't like no, it? No, but it's it's got that 70s flavour to it, though, mm. where we're going to make everything really lumpy and sort of greys and greens to a bit. There's a lot of dark. It, there's, there's a few moments where it's got colourful locations, but it's got a visibly dark palleted movie. Do you, not, not, not for you, is it? Sort of... Um, I don't know. It was only... like There wasn't that much of it. It was mostly when they were making things look old, like the owl and, you know, Shaq Divas and players. Shaq Divas. <laughs> <laughs> Lots, yeah, lots of grey and brown. The, for me, in my mind, I couldn't remember if the Owl and uh, Nicodemus were different characters or not. They it were was... meant... I looked this up. They were meant to be visually similar so yeah. that you know that they, they have this, the same magic. Well, who gives a shit? The Owl, the owl didn't have magic, though. He just was like, all right. What magic did he have? I think there was. there's an... Imp- it's, it comes back to the owl trope. Like, there's an implied mythical nature to that character. It's only implied, though. I, I don't I, yeah, To me, no, it's I a know. bad... Like, have your characters look like individuals. Like, the, having... They've got almost too many characters. Like, another problem... As the, as the end comes, and, you know, consistently, Mrs. Brisby has been interesting and throughout the story... But they just go, oh, there's these rats and those rats. Well, there's a bad rat, he's got a sidekick, there's Justin, there's fucking Nicodemus what... is dead now and squished. The, is the shrew the... is in it. You know, there's too many pointless characters thrown in at the end. I mean, again, it comes down to, it's an hour and 20 minutes, but they keep introducing new things right up until the last five minutes. Like, who is <laughs> Justin? Who is Jenna? What, to, like, what motivates Jenna is just a general sense of I'm a bad guy. Well, they they also like Jenna is very like you said um, a bit earlier how you it and again the tone kind of does make this difficult but you have to remember it is also a kids film technically. Well, we do so, cut back to like dicking around Blackbird or Raven well, no, or I mean, whatever he is. Jenna like. is Jenna is a he's a kids movie villain. He's Rattigan, but without yeah. motivation. Yeah. <laughs> well, his motivations power it's political game he doesn't it's even mo- seem more... to know that much though it's just i want to stay here and mooch off the electricity it's not really there's much. too many themes in this that kids won't understand mm. not that i think it's... they should be spoken down to but they're making references well, to things that are completely outside of their experience level. Yeah, ch- it's children it's don't the... pay the electric bill and don't give a fuck where <laughs> the magic path from the wall comes from it's like it's a it's an it's a sort of wobbly first step into mainstream kids films that are darker than they were. So it's sort of, it's trying to toe that line between addressing 
big ideas, but still keeping things simple enough for a young audience. And it does, like, it sort of stumbles both ways. Yeah. So, like, there are times when you have Dom DeLuise's Crow character, who's a little bit too much of a cartoon character, and then there are other times where it stumbles into that kind of, like, political intrigue and infighting stuff, and it, it doesn't quite get the balance right, but I think more more than that, like, that's one of the lesser faults for me, because I just appreciate that it is trying to do that stuff, yeah. which a lot of people weren't. I can see that that's one of the reasons why Disney were like, no, we 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 don't want to do dark films with Disney. I feel I feel like Blue Scott it more the combination of dark political stuff that that relates to humanity, but also children can follow it with stuff like uh, five the five the couple of five movies like it's, especially the first one uh, dealing with immigrants and people moving to different cultures. You've got an element of like oh these are foreign Russian mice going to find a new life, and so there's. There's things it says um, about human politics, while children can still be entertained by the actions and goings it's on. It's also um, Land Before Time is a really good example of of I I would say probably his best in terms of very like a heavy kids film because it's still it it seems very much like a kids film, but it deals with that really important kind of personal ideas like very individual personal ideas whereas the, the secret of nim kind of goes to it, it starts like that but after that it starts to go too broad and it tries like that's the the main problem with the film overall i think is it tries to do too many things it's not it, yeah it muddles enough. it muddles them all up it's too ambitious and doesn't have enough time or uh enough enough finesse to get it right this is also um this was his first actual like directorial fe- like feature length uh, yeah. I, I still feel like it, it was a rookie error to move forward with the script without sorting the problems out but like I don't know like okay let's finish off what happens in the film so basically uh, after a bunch of bullshit happens and unfolds <laughs> it, it gets everyone is back trying to rescue uh, basically Mrs. Brisby's house from the mud move it Hang to on. the what have I skipped you, over you can't skip the sword fight. Well, that it, that involves the sword fight, right? That okay. happens. They they rescue it, then they have a sword fight. But they have to get the house, which is a breeze block with like furniture in and children trapped inside or something. That has to be moved to the lee of the stone, and <laughs> whatever there that is. And so the rats have all been. They've all agreed to it, and they've come down. And they've used their crane. They've used their crane mechanism to get it out, and they're heaving it mud. And then that like dickhead mouse. Or dickhead rat decides I'm going to sabotage it and try and kill Thingy-Mabob for my own political reasons. So he crushes Nicodemus with a cinder block with children like, in. Yeah, and a shrew. And also Nicodemus doesn't get the usual like wise old character. You know, oh, I may be dying, but move. You know, like the Obi-Wan death. No, he just gets fucking wiped out with no like fair or like. Yeah, it's probably, just weird. Like as dark as the film is, for some reason that was the moment that made me go, "Oh fuck!" Because like mm. they also show him like partially crushed, like just bits of him sticking out from under the wreckage. And I was like, "Fucking hell!" Anthony, do you think this was justified? Is this a problem area for you? This part of the film? Not really. 
You're, you're cool with it. You like seeing a mouse crushed who hasn't been developed much as a character. Or it's the kids' movie equivalent of the one getting hit by the bus in the first Final Destination film, like mid-sentence, and she just gets wiped out. If he hadn't have gone nutty when she told them that Nim was coming, he would have got away with it. Absolutely fine. Yeah, it was. Re- yeah, he almost succeeds it again. It's it's another like it kind of speaks to the dark nature of the film. And it's like it's this close. Yeah, but it's so yeah. He becomes unhinged. This guy Jenna, and he's like because he can't get his way instantly or whatever. Yeah, so we have like a, a sword fight between uh, him and Justin, and he even betrays his friend who went along with him. He like slashes at him. Actually, that was cool. Like it wasn't that Justin the rat guy who is sort of film but not important. He has the sword fight but it's actually the little sidekick guy who throws a dagger in the back of uh, Jenna yeah. that actually kills him. But it's just mice, just... mice fight with swords and, and kill each other and you're like, what the fuck? I thought we were rescuing the kids, guys. I think this this is the scene I, I like vividly remember as a kid watching and being like the fuck is this? Because it, like, it's the fact that it's bloody as well, which is weird for a, like an 80s kids movie that yeah. was that was always like a big like like even if you have physical violence you can't have it be bloody has anyone um, seen being watered like, down is that like or well, is yeah. that got actual blood <laughs> in it or is it just got all the stuff like yeah. the stuff with these other actually dark ca- cartoons you know they're actually terrifying and awful and traumatizing well, whereas this I was mean, like surprisingly oh this is unexpectedly dark for all these characters to be dead the difference is that Watership Down is British, so there's like an inherent bleakness to it, no matter what. The upshot of this last scene is we have a bit of sword fights, it's all mucky and muddy, and people fight into each other, and eventually, you know, Mrs. Brisby just is so desperate to pull her family out of the mud that they're sinking into. She just tries, and they're all harrowingly grabbing the ropes and trying to wrench it free, even even though it's impossible. And then it's like, oh, we can't. They're going to die and be suffocated in the mud. But luckily the medallion kicks in last minute. The power of her, was it courage? Or what was no, the word? no, 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 no. I mean, yes, that's what they present happened. But those children were under the mud for too long. They're dead. Little, this little, is... little Timmy with pneumonia. He's dead. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, the whole thing of her being like, pulled away after the the her home sunk into the mud and like her reaction and like the the voice the voice performance and the animation was like i i felt like oddly moved by it i was like fuck this is this is getting really heavy and i was like because i didn't remember any of this but i was like what happens now like what oh just magic. magic, magic. Yeah, yeah. that's what's disappointing, okay. isn't it? It's not that it, it gets you to buy into things. Like some of the characters are a bit nothing and presented too too late in the film to be developed. But the main problem is just oh, magic solved it and the power of your heart or something. And and it and it like it's not like all the cool things that are in it that are magic. They're not even important to the main characters. It's just oh, you have the medallion. See you later, rat people. You've gone to live in the different place. That and we again, mentioned. it would make it would make sense if the magic was derived from the experimentation and the electricity, and then the end is her being able to harness it to save her kids, or you know whatever. That makes more sense than it just sort of being there. 
Yeah, and now we've seen the medallion is super powerful. Like one, this could corrupt one of the rats. Like Justin, who's gonna go live with the other rats, could become all powerful and barely uh, know him. He might be a yeah. dickhead. And we got this this the other thing that doesn't come up is so these scientists are they gonna turn up, dig up the rosebush, not find the rats, and be like, "Fuck, we've got to find these genius rats, or we're gonna they're gonna take <laughs> over the world." They've got the magic medallion. <laughs> Our whole experiment has gone wrong because of some prick mouse who's dead. Like, I want to know, like, I kind of want the sequel, just so it can do something with these plot. Yeah, but the sequel doesn't fucking care about the stuff in the first film. No. Yeah, sequel is straight to video. Straight to the bin crap. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, anyway. Erica Idol's in it. Um, that's, that's not necessarily, well. That's what you should say, that's not necessary. Um, it isn't. <laughs> uh... It's all just fuck it wrap up. Though. That's my point. Is it's like oh whatever, she her yeah. family is safe, everyone lives happily ever after. Who gives a fuck what happens to the genius rats? There's Roll a, credits, um, play horrible song. It, yeah, I didn't like the song. There's a there's oh, a. God. I wonder what the the film sequel does versus the two book sequels that the film sequel basically the... goes. We'll make songs. The ch- Timmy's older. I will Wait, fuck have around. You seen it? I've I've seen yeah, I did see it at the time. I vaguely remember it being it's about Timmy and his girlfriend yeah. and that's Jeremy's that's Jeremy's back and he's trying to con people into paying him and some other side it's a lot of bullshit is what it is. Yeah. From what I remember. It kinda of sounds like it from what I'm looking at, so <laughs> But anyway, the secret of Nim concluded and so should we. What are there? Any other? You know, if, if anything in your notes or thoughts, we've covered a lot of what we thought. We don't really need to rehash the magic was out of place, etc. But if you have other notes or things you want to mention, bring them up now before we actually do the metaphors. Anthony, it was your pick. I, I feel like you, you know can have the first check here. So I don't think there's anything else um, I, I wanted to talk about, um, but I feel like I'm probably. You know, just because of nostalgia's, nostalgia's sake, I'm the one who's going to come out with the best view of this film. Um, and I do admit there are some problems. I had I, the whole magic thing was just unexplained, and there were there were a few um, sharp tone shifts between like like the peril and some of like the comic relief. But overall, I think this film totally holds up. Um, it's it's a nice uh, kind of middle ground. It's kind of like the makings of like family films these days, where there's something in there for kids, there's something in there for adults. Yeah. Um, and you know the the whole thing. It looks great on the most part. Uh, it, it nails the tone a lot of the time. Um, like I, I don't like I don't think this is nostalgia. Um, um, it's still held up as a. As yeah, definitely. Important film. I mean, like generally outside of, like critically, it's sort of referred to as very influential. Mm. And it remains fairly uh, timeless. Um, it does. It's not dated that much in any style-wise. Way. I still think I can enjoy watching this type of animation. Whereas you look at something like Toy Story, cracking film, but it does slightly look weird now that the three D animation mm. style is a bit weaker than it is now like whereas cartoons like this look better they all they all like disney films look timeless and because this is a disney like spin-off not not you know it's it disney like film it, it works now because of that timeless animation look whereas if you look mm. at shrek now 
Oof. Oof. Yeah, there's a few things that look cheap now. But yeah, <laughs> so you, you still like it despite obvious little problems. Yeah, I do. I think it I think it definitely um, holds up. So, is, do you have a metaphor? Um, oh God, I didn't even think. Um, you can think about it if you want, if you need to. Before I go, though, I will I will say, as a final point, that I think we've all knocked the magic in this. But like one of the the main images I remembered from this film, um, like which lingered in my mind, is the whole amulet thing using its power. So as visually. It, you know, it looks great. Well, I, I remember the stupid... It is. I, the stupid things in films often stand out for me, so... Maybe. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of a rat-based... Oh, um, I, I'll, I'll have... But we should move on for stick, now. Stick a pin in your rat, or inject your rat, or... Anyway. Mm. Abby, um, obviously, in contrast to Anthony, what did you think? <laughs> feel bad because the principle of this could be good there's there's a lot of stuff here that i could get behind if they just if I had, let me just check how many people wrote this because i think I, it's just him it's weird because the the novelist you know wrote it and it was probably fine <laughs> and he didn't need to were, change it i think there were three no, four credits on the screenplay. Somebody needed to get a slap in the face told to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, no, we don't need that. No, we don't need this. No. Yeah, like, if you're going to come up with ideas you want to try out, wait till your first film works in its entirety. Get it right, then let's look at magic and combining ideas of technology and philosophy. Uh, philosophical points about society, you know. Keep it simple for your first one, isn't it? I feel like we talked about it with Stephen King's ones, where if you're too much of a slave to the specifics of the book, then it's then your film's got a wonky wheel. And I think I don't maybe think... I think this was the opposite because of. Uh, uh, Apparently, like I said, I don't remember the book, but apparently it deviates pretty dramatically outside of just the magic thing, like just generally. Is this what you're going to say, Abby? Were you going to say it's the opposite, Abby? Or you... I could still my point where it was an adaptation problem where a good Before adaptation you... dances the line between keeping enough of the original material yeah. to feel like valid to stall it the same thing but not so much that it's dysfunctional as a film and this did not dance the line it, it fell badly with the amount of stuff that it tried to throw in yeah i know i i think i get what you because like a good adaptation takes the the core beats of the story that are the ones that grab you mm. and just like lord of the rings is a good example like it takes story beats and a, the general like thrust, and then does what it has to to streamline it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yes, yeah, especially Stephen King stuff that he does himself. 
tends to just try and put everything in. And this sort of they it was like they started getting their own ideas and got like maybe they were too excited because they just managed to escape from Disney and <laughs> just started like throwing everything in there. We can do it and all, guys. Like, we can yeah, make a magical like, wonderland of dark magical weirdry. And then they were like, Oh fuck, we haven't got enough money So they had to just kinda of shove it all in. It's actually weird as well, because he wanted to adapt the book so badly, so you would have thought that he understood the spirit of the book. Yeah, yeah it is a really strange sort of mistake that he seems to have made in, in unnecessarily adding something that doesn't yeah. fit. Because the passion shows through the animation and some of the storytelling. Like it's like you're yeah, so close to there. you're so close to nailing it, and like Disney could have been rivaled, I think, if the Secret of Nim had really hit out of the park. It did like, very well. Yeah, no, like and there's loads of films from that from that uh, animation house, but it, it, it's like it, it pales in comparison to the success rate of Disney. I mean, it does now, but at the time. This was seen as a legitimate threat, especially because Disney were in, you know, trouble at this point. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, a lot of the bluff ones, except for the actual animation style, there isn't much of a... You wouldn't necessarily peg them for the same company. Like, you you can tell, but they're not... I don't know. We're not, we're not, I don't think we can settle the Disney versus Bluth debate, but... This film, how would you say, metaphor-wise? I, I think I go, and if you guys haven't gone, I, basically, uh, keeping this idea of lab rats in mind, the film feels like a lab experiment. We, we had a lot of things we were trying to do and achieve, and it's like a little rat in a maze, and you're trying to get it to learn the path through the maze and get the cheese at the end. And it comes so close, this little mouse or rat in the in the maze, and then at some point it takes a huge left turn and magic to get out of the maze. And you're like, I just wanted you to get the cheese, and now you've defied all my expectations, and this, there's a whole other thing we need to concern ourselves with. Why does this mouse have magic powers? What the fuck's going on? Mm-hmm. I just wanted an A to B, little path, exciting, or trial and error. I wanted a mouse to do a thing, and now it's doing something much more complicated and weird. And instead of training the mouse to do something straightforward... I've got a fucking weird magic mouse on my hands. So, it's like, it could have been so simple and it just went crazy and lost the thread and now I wish I'd never set up the experiment to begin with. So, that's how I feel. It's like a missed, it's just a failed experiment but a magical mouse is a good thing and, you know, an animation studio trying to do something different is good but it 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 doesn't fully... It didn't do what I wanted, I guess, is what I'm saying. So that's my metaphor, guys. I hope you like it. I have a semi-food metaphor. Of course. Technically. What do you mean, of course? I haven't done one for fucking ages because you're a little bitch. All right? <laughs> <laughs> How is the film like a panini? No, no, no. It's more to do with the presentation than it is the actual food. But it's when you get brought a plate of food that they have... Set out exactly wrong for preferences. Like, I'm turning the chips in either a bucket or one of tiny little fryer nets. <laughs> On a and shovel. Then, like, they've given you some element in a little dish of its own. And then, like, I get it often with curries, actually, where it's like, you've given me five separate bowls on one big plate 
We have no room to do anything. And it's like, why have you done this? You've, over, you've, you've overkilled it, haven't you? You've, you could have just presented the meal simply, and instead you've given me fish pie with chicken and bacon in. But in three ramekins that you mix and match. Yeah. And you can always tell by the menu as well. When they phrase it in a certain way, you just know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, these chicks are coming in a little metal bucket, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, the the, the letters of name are capitalised. I always thought it was like a wizard's name or something, but no. It does sound like that. It does sound like that. Uh, I could never spend ever. I was trying to search for it. I was like, is the H, is it N-H-I-M? Or is it, like, I could never put in that silent H in the right place. What the, at the end? What? The secret of Nim. Mm. I was just thinking that. It's actually the reaction to the film. <laughs> the word Nim is just Nim. Uh, yeah, Nim. Like that, like, like kind of okay, but slightly tired, despite how short it was. <laughs> uh, Jamie. If... Uh, I think I'm more on Anthony's side on this one. Um, and it's less for nostalgia because I never watched it properly as a kid. So I'm just sort of watching it now, you know, as an adult, but with a lot of fucking gross nerd knowledge about film and animation history. Um, I think it's it kind of as as Don Bluth's first film that he directed, um, it kind of captures everything good and bad about his career afterwards. It has a lot of his faults and a lot of the stuff he does well in one film. Yeah. Because a lot of his other films do tend to have that feel of cramming too much in, um, doing too much too quickly, and then just stopping because there was often, like, maybe not enough money or time. It's like um, he, he's, a, he's a talented man, but he isn't a genius, so he, he's not... Oh, I was saying that, like, Disney's a... It's never just the man, and it's, I mean, it's it, not just him as an animator. It's just it's just odd, isn't it, that he's really good, but not very, perfect. He's very passionate and, and very talented, but... He needs, he like, a script of, editor or, or a... Yeah, he's, or more it, money. It's uh, similar. Maybe. Well, yeah, I do think budgetary constraints have been a problem probably for most of his films um, because he always had that, you know, spectre of Disney hanging over him afterwards and... I, I feel like there was a lot of pressure on him as a filmmaker because of how, like, where he came from and when he, like, where and when he came into the mainstream. Um, but it has that sort of imbalance of it tries to do a few too many things, but at the same time, it's really well animated and just looks fantastic and has a, it has a very specific atmosphere and feel that a lot of his films do. Um which the later ones, the ones that got worse, like fucking what was that one? A troll in Central Park or whatever mm. fucking shit that or even Doodle, they kind of lost as they got more kiddie and less dark and it sort of lost that texture that films like this have. Um I think it's even though it is flawed and I um mainly I think by trying to do too much in too short a space with in too short a time with too little space and too little money, I think it's it holds up as a piece of sort of animation and cinema history. It's important historically because, like Anthony said, it's one of the films that really gave momentum to films that 
especially animated films that were aimed not just at or not even not seen to be aimed just at children it kind of opened the the spectrum of the kind of things you can do and you know it took a while for that to take off if you look at the disney films from the 90s after their resurgence they do a lot of the stuff that Don Bluth did in the 80s with his films. They tackle much heavier themes. They have much more violent, but much darker endings for characters like Scar in The Lion King comes to mind. That scene, yeah. like him being torn to shreds by his own underlings, feels like a very 80s Don Bluth ending for a villain. Yeah, um, but it's not as blunt as they they dropped a fucking house on him and he's dead, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> or... <laughs> stabbed him in the back with a dagger but um yeah it's it's definitely flawed but it's short it's very very like it's beautifully animated it even at times like now i'm thinking about it it feels a bit like a studio ghibli movie at times because of the bizarre elements of magic the the tone the fact it's got a female protagonist who isn't um, stereotypical yeah actually that's that is something in its in its favor as well it has a very unique female protagonist that isn't she she seems very grounded and very real um and very much like an actual like mouse with a cape oh right yes (laughs) mother Um, character yeah like that it has a lot going on um but it's it is it still kind of holds up despite its flaws the music is very good except for the song i hated the song but the actual score yeah is is good. It's Jerry Goldsmith's first animated score, I think, and apparently it's a, it was his favourite. But um, no, it's it's a. I would say it is kind of dated, just because of the nature of what it was trying to do. Uh, but I also think it's one of the things. I there was supposed to be a remake at some point. I hope there isn't. It should just stay in its little bubble of kind of cultural significance. Sure. Uh, well, have we got a metaphor? I, is the question. It's a nice mouse. I like it. I'm gonna. I'll uh, just your the idea of your experiment. It's it's like a, it's like one of those scientific studies that is done that make people go, what the fuck are they doing that for? Like the like the lobster on the treadmill or whatever it is. Like or the, okay. is it a shrimp? Like it's one of those studies that on the surface. It makes people go, "What's well, the money? That's stupid. Why are they studying that?" Did Salvador actually... Dali do that experiment? What are you talk? What's this no, lobster in the it, treadmill thing? I, you'd have to, you'll have to Google it. It's a long story, but basically, it's it's kind of like one of those studies that, on the surface, sounds stupid when you hear about it, and people will write it off because they're bloody students and scientists wasting all that money. But then, when you actually properly look into it, you realize there are reasons that they're doing a particular study, even if it's about uh, fucking what happens if a dog wears a hat for four days. Like, <laughs> so, some, like it's some weird, like niche funded experiment that sounds kind of weird on the surface. But then when you actually dig into it, you realize, Oh, there is actually some significance to this. Like there's a reason they did it. But even learn from a failed experiment. If you, if something doesn't work out how you hope, yeah, you can still learn they, from it, and then yeah. you can still that influences the things that come after as well. So, uh, Anthony, did you think of anything in the end? No. And on that bombshell. 
It's the end of just like the end of the, underwhelming, like the end of the the secret of Nim. We couldn't think of another metaphor, so fuck it. <laughs> then just you 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 know you said what you felt, there's, so it's you know yeah. I can't really. There's not much to do with the rat. I, I think we kind of trapped ourselves there. Oh, trapped Although, like a rat in a cage. Rat, yeah. Mm. Okay, it's a that's nice fine. Rat that I like. And I don't uh, if it's got. A weird skin <laughs> and superpowers. I there's love a, it for what it is. There's a nice mouse that Rich likes in this. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I thought I thought Jeremy, the stupid bird, was my favourite character just because he's so fucking annoying. <laughs> I related to him. <laughs> he also got laid at the end. You're no. making this sexual. I <laughs> look. Last week we did a pawn, so I, I really worried we're going to oh, yeah. take a stone for the sexual on a permanent basis. So let's just say, catch you next time for another film and another chat. Bye. Bye. Big cobweb tree. Just <laughs> cut out on you. So it just said you went cobweb tree. Okay. <laughs> 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 Whoo.